This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hi, I'm Anif Baharudin and this is GG Well Played, the show that talks about all things video games. I'm going to be joined by Arif Roos from Cruise Control later and he's going to be sharing his impressions of Polyphony Digital's latest flagship, Gran Turismo 7. But before that, here's a recap of some of the biggest news in the world of gaming with Ofnil Ting and Daryl Ong. Thank you, Hanif. We're going to kick off this week's show by looking at new data released by Steam in their blog post called Steam 2021 Year in Review. It's an annual post that highlights their achievements in the past year. And while we won't be reporting everything that has been mentioned in the blog post, you can check it out yourself. We would just like to look at some interesting data released by the company, including the hours people spent on the platform. Overall, people spent 38 billion hours on Steam last year, and that's a 21% increase compared to 2020. 38 billion hours. Uh, there's also an increase in the amount spent with players spending 27% more money compared to 2020. And that was not just down to existing players with 2.6 million first-time purchases made in each month of 2021. That's just astounding as Steam users are pretty generous, it seems, uh, with 2.6 million gift cards being sent to friends and family last year, with the dollar value of those gift cards increasing 43% compared to 2020. Interesting data there and like we said earlier, for more information and data, you can check out the blog post yourself available on Steam's website. Always better to give than to receive, right? 2.6 million gift cards being sent out. Crazy. But moving on, some news on the Dead Space remake. In their latest developer update, which focuses on the realistic audio systems in the game, the developers also announced that they are aiming for an early 2023 release window. The developers are putting the game through its final paces before being able to do a full internal walkthrough, scheduled to be happening weeks away from now. But as mentioned many times earlier, what the fans have seen so far of the game is still in early alpha mood. Mm. While early 2023 is a very optimistic launch window that the developer Motive is aiming for, the game is shipping up nicely with the showcase for the audio presentation revealing how realistic they are making it to the extent of the main protagonist's dialogue and breathing changing based on how fatigued he feels. Brilliant stuff. Okay, up next, Elden Ring has received many rave reviews and good words not only from reviewers but gaming communities as well and suffice to say that they're not all just talk. Hmm. Elden Ring has also been smashing record sales especially in the United States where it has become the biggest selling game of 2022 over there uh, based on data from NPD after a huge launch. Elden Ring has the second best launch figures over the last 12 months falling behind Call of Duty Vanguard but better than the other new titles like Halo Infinite and Forza Horizon 5. It has also become the fifth best-selling game over the past year in such a short amount of time since it was released on the 25th of February. Hmm. From Software's latest game also secured the top spot on Xbox and Steam but came second on PlayStation behind Sony's exclusive Horizon Forbidden West. Onwards and upwards for Elden Ring, uh, definitely a potential game of the year. Alright, last but not least, piracy might be legalised in Russia, which may have an impact not just on games, but movies, music and more. This comes after the Russian Ministry of Economic Development proposed that the country relax its copyright laws as a way to circumvent the sanctions imposed by Western countries. Mm. This will effectively legalise piracy as Russian companies have no obligation to pay patent holders for their usage of their intellectual property. Prior to this, Twitch has also decided to suspend payments 
to Russian streamers, while other gaming and entertainment companies such as Microsoft, Sony and many others have suspended their products and services in Russia. Well, that's all we have for this week's news. Back to you, Hanif. Thank you very much, Daryl and Ofnil. Moving on, the highly anticipated racing simulation from Polyphony Digital Gran Turismo 7 was finally released after a long wait. And joining us to share his thoughts and impressions on the game is Arif Roos from Cruise Control. First up, what are your immediate reactions to the game so far? One word, fantastic. Ooh. It was, well, more than one word. It's, <laughs> it was, it's, I think it's everything that every Gran Turismo player, every motorsport fan, every car enthusiast uh, wanted from a game. From mm. Gran Turismo. Yeah, that's interesting. Considering that, I think if you follow the series closely, and I think you can fill in the gaps uh, for me with, with regard to this, um, the gap between Gran Turismo Six and Gran Turismo Seven is pretty long, right? And I think to a certain extent, um, yeah, Polyphony Digital was taking their time to sort of like um, get their act together, and in the be- in between, they released Gran Turismo Sport, right? Yeah, which Gran I Turismo Sport. yeah, Gran Turismo Sport, which I'm not too sure whether it. It's okay. What, what, what do you think of Gran Turismo Sport? Was it like an okay so, game? Um, Gran Turismo 6, I think, was the last... I mean, before GT7, obviously, it was the last uh, classic Gran Turismo game where, you know, you have to take your licenses and all that stuff. But Gran Turismo Sport was uh, sort of Gran Turismo's first serious take on multiplayer sim racing. Lah. Okay. So, you know, they launched Gran Turismo Sport in 2017. That was exactly the time when they started, uh, you know, really pushing all of their... Uh, real life virtual sim racing events. They, you know, created partnerships with all sorts of different, um, you know, car communities and FIA and all that stuff to create all these wonderful championships. So it was very important, I think, to the Gran Turismo franchise, Gran Turismo Sport, but it wasn't revolutionary. It was just a really, really fun and good way to play online with people. I see. Okay. And Gran Turismo 7 is supposed to be the actual sequel or actual continuation from Gran Turismo 6, right? Um, because of, I guess, the the huge gap between the two series, um, do, you, do you feel like um, worth the waiting time, worth the hype? Like, like you know, what was the, what's the, uh, I mean, d- did you remember how it was like with Gran Turismo 6 and now playing 7, you know? I think it's a massive step. Because, well, I mean, one thing is games have changed a lot, right, since 2013. 2013 was when they launched Gran Turismo 6. And it was more of an update towards uh, or refinement towards Gran Turismo 5 or or 4. But GT7 is, you know, it's, again, it's, uh, you know, more powerful platform with the PS4 and PS5. Uh, Experience with the online and everything um, with through Gran Turismo Sport. So it's a massive, massive, huge step forward. But it seems very familiar to the old games. Mm. So in terms of graphics, is everything turned up to eleven? The sound turned up to eleven. The the feeling, the 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 way the the game is structured, the the polish of all the uh, the environments, the 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 challenges, everything about it just seems so well thought out. And um, I remember Gran Turismo Seven was supposed to launch like I think it was late November in twenty twenty one, and uh, when they came out and said that it will be delayed due to the pandemic. And, you know, PS5 delays and everything, everybody was like, oh, well, you know, that sucks. But, you know, 
It's worth we, the wait. Yeah, it's worth the wait. We mm-hmm. all know it's going to be great. And uh, for me, at least, you know, as a casual gamer, as a budding sim racer, um, yeah, it's, you know, it's everything that we've expected. It didn't let us down. I haven't seen a, a single bad review about it. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. But, okay, I mean, before we talk deeper about, I guess, your impressions of the game so far, I mean, you haven't finished playing the game yet, yet right? No. Yeah. <laughs> Barely. So, yeah, but I'm quite curious to actually explore the history of Gran Turismo and also its relationship with, I guess, sim racer enthusiasts, right? Because mm. I think at one point I grew up in, a, when I was started playing video games, Gran Turismo was one of the, I guess, if not the highly rated sim racer out there. Yeah. But eventually... And you know, it's, it's, if you want serious racing, you play Gran Turismo. And if you want arcade racing, then you play other games. You know, yep. from either Project Gotham Racing to Need for Speed series mm. to Burnout. You know, there are a lot mm, yeah, of other yeah. options there, right? For for people who enjoy arcade racing, but Good for times. people, yeah. <laughs> but for people who enjoy, I guess, um, serious racing, it's only Gran Turismo. But then Forza, the Forza series started coming out, right? You have Forza Motorsport, and now also Forza Horizon. And I think eventually people were initially like comparing between the two, especially because at one point. Um, Forza was also an Xbox exclusive, right? So, yep. so it became like a well, Forza versus um, Gran Turismo by virtue of Sony versus Microsoft as well, right? Um, at one point, I think I know as far as I can remember, initially people were like, "Oh, Gran Turismo is still superior," but towards I guess the latter part of Gran Turismo's, um, I guess life cycle before seven, people started saying that, "Oh, you know, Forza the Forza series is actually quote unquote better, right?" So, um, have you actually played Forza? And yeah, and what was the nature of this conversation? Like, and were you like privy to it? And like, what was your, I guess, experience? Well, to be honest, I haven't played Forza in a really long time. I think the last game that last Forza game I played was uh, Forza Four and Forza Three, mm. uh, the Horizon games, and it was. I thought it was pretty fun, you know. Um, it was like it was sort of like Need for Speed. You don't, you're not really too bothered about your racing and driving technique, and you just, you know, go around tracks. And that was pretty much it. And that's what excited a lot of people. On Need for Speed, you have maybe you know, 30, 40 cars. But for Forza, you had a whole range of real life cars, uh, cars that Gran Turismo didn't have at all, or rather refused to put in because you know it wouldn't be worth it. And that it, that obviously, you know, in, in 2010, that appealed to a lot of people because, you know, you, for for once you could you could own a regular BMW 5 Series inside a game, and that happened to be a dream car, not some you know crazy modified BMW race car, which you get in Gran Turismo. So I think that played a huge part in like, uh, you know, bringing people towards motorsport gaming and sim racing in general. And Gran Turismo did have a lot of trouble with that. Because at the same time, again, 2010s, computers were becoming so much more powerful, weren't they? Uh, you know, we had really, really serious bit of kit for sim racing wheels. Mm. And there were a whole lot of other titles that were coming in back then. Uh, GTR Evolution, Race Race 07, uh, iRacing is a really popular one. Um, and because of the whole PC environment, you know, the really, really serious simulation gamers would go straight to the PC and buy all of these uh, iRacing, um, you know, R-Factor 2, all of those games because they were so accurate. You could actually, you know, learn how to drive with those games. And Gran Turismo, uh, while all of these were happening, they weren't really, you know, developing. I guess some people said back then that the PlayStation held back the game. Mm. There was only so much that you could squeeze in a small hard drive and limited RAM and all that stuff. So I guess in some way you couldn't, you know, they couldn't push the game further. But you know, now it's twenty twenty two. PS five is very very powerful. PS four has stood the test of time. PC gaming has changed a lot. Um, I'd say you know 
uh, I think both games, uh, Forza and Gran Turismo, they appeal to two different types of racers or two different types of people. They might, or rather, they might be the same person, but they have, you know, they use these two games very differently. Mm -hmm. Uh, Forza, you just get in and drive, whereas, you know, Gran Turismo, you challenge yourself a little bit. Um, But I think today, especially, I wouldn't think that um, sim racers would pick up Gran Turismo 7 and, you know, race it super seriously. They would, they can, but it's not, uh, you know, it's not the primary game for sim racing anymore wow. as it used to be. Okay, so yeah. so what what are the competitions out there now? So, uh, like I mentioned, one of them is iRacing. iRacing is uh, some people will call the pinnacle of uh, sim racing because you know the physics and everything, all the cars are absolutely perfect. Uh, because it's PC, you can plug in any steering wheel and play with it, and there's all sorts of competitions and tournaments around the world just dedicated to sim racing. Even recently, I was talking about on cruise control. Uh, Le Mans 24 hours virtual where you know you ha- you're in a team there's three or four drivers and you drive 24 hours straight together as a team on iRacing oh. and that you know there's prize money there's sponsors from big companies it's really really becoming a big thing on, on that end but for Gran Turismo um, they I guess they can't appeal to that market per se because you know they have their own environment you know um because once you enter Gran Turismo to do same racing, you're mostly playing multiplayer online. You have your own uh, specific championships. You can qualify for, uh, you know, certain global Gran Turismo events. And even more recently, Tokyo Olympics, it was a part of, uh, you know, Tokyo Olympics. Mm. But usually people who step into Gran Turismo don't usually step out of that circle. I see. But are they actually, in terms of, I'm sure there must be some, I guess, minor differences between the two. But how close are they when it comes to, I guess... Uh, in terms of the similarities, like like it like is 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 Gran Turismo more game like or more arcadey compared to iRacing or um yes yeah and I think again it has probably has to do with the you know the PlayStation's limitations you can't have thirty two gigabytes in a PlayStation <laughs> you can't have an Nvidia graphics you know the most powerful card in there but uh the differences right mm. um. I think in terms of the simulations, the physics, again, like I mentioned, all of the, uh, because of the hardware limitations in these PC games like R-Factor 2 and, and, and Assetto Corsa or iRacing, they're a bit, they're, they are able to detail, you know, certain parts of the game physics a little bit better. For example, if you hit a curb wrongly, they're able to simulate, you know, create a better model on how the car would spin or react to mm-hmm. that. Whereas Gran Turismo is a bit more predictable. Is a bit more friendly, um, and of course, you know, Gran Turismo, you have to appease to the controller players who people like me who can't afford a wheel. Mm. Whereas uh, games like iRacing, super simulator, like you can't compete if you <laughs> you can't compete if you if you play with a controller. That's just a fact. Mm. That's just a fact. Mm. How important is is the I guess the steering wheel for gamers who want to actually I guess experience the the, the simulation aspect of of these games. I think for Gran Turismo specifically, um, because I've tried the wheel in previous Gran Turismo in GT Sport and in GT6 as well. Um, I think the the learning curve for the controller is much much wider than the uh, than the uh, much steeper than the uh, the steering wheel, obviously, mm. because we you know we know how to drive. <laughs> but um, 
they I mean, the way Transfer Spawn is constructed, it allows you to be able to compete with the wheel drivers. And certainly with the wheel drivers, you know, when you're in real life, when you're driving on a racetrack, you are, you know, you're using your feet, you're using, you're using your hands rather than just your fingers. So that allows you to be a bit more accurate with all your, with all your inputs. And that's, you know, very important in racing as well. Um, so I say, you know, it's not that important. Mm-hmm. It's, to, it's not that important to get a wheel. But if you are somebody who just, you know, it's your only game or it's the only game you plan to play for the next year or so, you want to maxim- you want to max out the enjoyment, get yourself a wheel. If not, if you can't afford it, uh, or if you don't feel like you will be playing that much, a controller is perfectly easy to learn and perfectly uh, enjoyable to play as well. That was Arif Roos from BFM's Cruise Control sharing his thoughts on Gran Turismo 7, Polyphony Digital's latest flagship that was released recently. We're going to make way for some messages. More after this, stay tuned. This is Gigi Well Played on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, you're listening to Gigi Well Played. I'm your host, Hanif Baharuddin. We're talking about the newly released Gran Turismo 7 from Polyphony Digital and joining me to share his experience playing through the game so far is BFM's Arif Roos from Cruise Control. We've spoken a bit about the history and position of this game as a simulator and where it is in relation to its competitors. Now we're going to talk deeper about the game and its features. Does the game retain the classic modes that are missing from Gran Turismo Sport? Uh, yes, <laughs> I'm happy to say and I'm very, very happy to say uh, that it's all back because... One of the biggest criticisms of GT Sport was that, I mean, they barely focused on it. It was, like I said, mainly a multiplayer game. This one is a return uh, to what made us, you know, sit in front of the TV like we used to, eight hours in a day, <laughs> that sort of thing. Um, and I'd say they've really, really worked. It feels like they've worked hard on, on it because, you know, back then, I don't know if you remember, Gran Turismo 4, 3 and 2, mm. doing all those licenses were pretty hard to get, you know, even a bronze or a silver, right? Mm. These days, they, they made the bronze awards very easy to access. So, you know, regular people who don't play sim racing games can jump in and you can still get your license. You won't be locked away from all the other, uh, you know, all the other fun races that's happening if you don't get the license. Mm. But to get gold is a bit more difficult than it was. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, they've introduced so many different modes as well. There's one thing called the Music Run, which oh. uh, they first introduce it to you when you're downloading the full game. All 106 gigabytes of it, uh, which is a lot. Um, yeah, and this Music Run, very interesting. Uh, you know, they've got like jazz and classical music playing in the background, you know, typical Gran Turismo stuff, but they add a little beat, <laughs> very strong beats to it. Um, and the idea is that you circle around the track hitting as many checkpoints as you want without letting the beats per minute drop. So very, you know, it's super addictive because you always want to go further. You always want to go further. And um, music's great. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a fantastic way to spend three hours while waiting for your 100, 100 gigabytes to download. <laughs> I see. Okay. But, but you can still play this mode after the game has been yes, downloaded, right? Yeah. 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 Is, it, is, is, is it locked under the, or is it part of the career mode or is it accessible via the main menu straight away? Uh, accessible via the main menu. I mean, I think the last time you played Gran Turismo, um, 
you know, when you start up the game, there used to be arcade mode versus simulation mode or arcade mode and GT, GT mode, right? Uh, they've put that all into one bundle. Oh. So when you start the game, actually, you will you get sort of like a Professor Oak where they will walk you through the game and through the functions and the different things that you can do in the game. It takes about four to five hours to complete, but I think, you know, if you're new to the Gran Turismo franchise, if you're new to the game or sim racing or just racing games in general, it's, it's a great way to introduce every single aspect of the game so that, you know, when, you, when you're five hours into it, you finish all of these introductory missions you know where to go, you know how to tune up your car, you know um, what the point of the game is, which is, you know, to collect cars and to learn how to race and drive. So uh, in that sense, you know, I think it's 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 so superbly packaged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the introductory course is, will take you at least like five hours to, to complete? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but, you know, it's, it's a variety of different things. Sometimes they will allow, sometimes it's a classic race, sometimes it's, you know, just change your wheels here or add a new body kit to your car or tune up your car or collect these three cars and then you get a little token uh, which you can cash in and you know get some sort of reward for it mm. so very in-depth very thoughtful the way they they built to that introductory um, you know four or five hours it's it's almost like you know you play uh, an, an rpg game and you're always being told to run around and do these menial tasks and you know suddenly you get this one rusty sword. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's kind of like that. Yeah, you mentioned earlier that this game is perhaps, I guess, welcoming uh, for, for players who like to, I guess, sample their first, not just Gran Turismo game, but also a first racing game, right? Mm. But how accessible is it in terms of learning the ropes of how to actually drive these cars, right? It's not, uh, the racing aspect of it is not arcadey at all. It's, more simulation, right? Which means that you can't just press, uh, I guess, your acceleration and just hope for the best, right? No, definitely not. It's definitely gone away from, you know, the the, pre- the days of pressing X for the throttle and square for the brake. Yeah. Because right now, obviously, you have the triggers. But um, yeah, um, in terms of that, like I said, you know, the int- whole introductory process, they ask you to take licenses and all that stuff. And like I said, they've reworked a lot of these license programs and these missions and challenges. So... It's definitely way more detailed than even the previous game in GT Sport. It's a lot closer to these PC simulation games, but not quite there. And um, it really, really teaches you... Like I think the, the, the way I thought about it was that um, when you go racing... like I've been fortunate enough to go on the track and do a little bit of uh, you know, fast driving around the track. And um, when you're driving a real car, you know... You, more often than not, you're never mashing the pedals or you're mm. never going full lock to lock on the steering wheel. But this game teaches you that you need to be very um, minute and very finicky about and thoughtful about your, your finger movements on the controller, especially. Um, so, and, uh, you know, with the vibration and the force feedback inside the controller and the steering wheel as well, um, that sort of like teaches you where the limits of the car are. Is, it's very accurate to real life. And it's very, I guess it, in a way, it reminded me that, all right, you know, in racing, you can't just look at a corner brake and turn it full lock. If you do that in Gran Turismo 7, you're going to end up in the barrier. You have to brake, you know, with the steering wheel straight and then turn, hit the apex, and then slowly, you know, try to get some grip and accelerate out as carefully as you can. Um, very, very educational. I think um, certainly if... If you're not into racing or if this is a new game to you, 
it will, <laughs> I guarantee you, it will teach you a lot of, about driving because in that sense, in the way that I've described it, it's very, very accurate to real life. <laughs> mm, wow, yeah. okay. I mean, I've been yeah. hearing you describe it makes me feel that. I mean, I feel like, yeah, it's something worthwhile for people who perhaps are into motorsport but don't necessarily know how to you know, actually how it works, right? You yeah. know, in terms of driving. I mean, we all drive, you're right, yeah. but we always assume that, you know, when you're driving on a track, it's just pedal yeah. to, the, to, yeah. to the floor, right? But yeah. it's not, right? Yeah, it's not. <laughs> well, I think, I guess, one thing that I want to add about that, the simulation aspect also, um, previously, in, in every Gran Turismo, one of the biggest criticisms is that if you drove a, you know, road car, you picked up, you know, like your car, a Hyundai or a you know, Volkswagen Golf or something like that, all of those cars tend to feel like the same. Mm. And, you know, Every track you drive the car the same way, but you know if if uh, I've been privileged enough to test drive a lot of and review a lot of cars as as you know part of cruise control, and um, they are all different. You have to treat them differently. You have to drive them differently. And I'm happy to say that you know this game, you do have to learn your car. You do have to learn you know how it reacts. Every car feels different. There's a certain nuance needed, and it really edges you on to like you know. Um, set faster lap times, get used to the car, get, you know, get to grips with how, you know, the physics are in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, like I said, the whole introductory first four hours of the game, you jump into so many different cars and you really do get a feel of, hey, you know what? Actually, what I'm feeling inside the car might be very, very accurate. <laughs> mm, <laughs> and wow. it is, and it is, yeah. to a certain extent, obviously. Wow, okay, that, that's very interesting. Yeah. And I, I guess to a certain extent, maybe that's that's a smart way to go about it, right? You know, yeah. within that four, first four hours, four, four, first four or five hours, they let you sample all the different cars so that, you know, you probably want to, like, you know, sample a lot yeah. more cars, right? Yeah. And speaking of cars, yeah, I mean, you're a car enthusiast. Um, how many cars do they have in this game? And I know a lot of people tend to, li- to like talking about, you know, how realistic they are, not just in terms of how they look, but also in terms of the sound, yeah. you know, right. So, so in terms of that, um, does uh, Grand Turismo Seven deliver so far? Well, um, I think in the in the numbers of cars and the variety of cars, it's perhaps not as impressive as Forza, um, because Forza you get you know some car parked under the tree. This is probably inside the Forza game, but <laughs> in Grand Turismo, everything's a bit more hand picked, hand chosen. The selection of cars are more like: is this car relevant to the entire you know automotive culture? You have super slow cars and super fast cars, cars that don't even exist, cars that were designed by Gran Turismo and the car manufacturer themselves. Um, that in itself is very, uh, you know, interesting to see. Um, but um, the level of detail, um, the sound design, the the physics, the the graphics, the whole environment of the game, I. <sighs> Remember when Red Dead Redemption 2 was launched, like 2016, mm. and, you know, we would sit in front of our computers or, or our TV, you know, just being blown away, getting fully immersed into the game. I haven't felt that way until, you know, since since that game. Mm. And I feel that way with Gran Turismo because, I mean, there's the, I think there's one thing that needs to be mentioned, which is the dynamic weather and environment, which is essentially what the Polyphony Digital, the, the the developers did was they went to every racetrack that featured inside um, the game and they collected meteorolo- meteorological data. <laughs> Butchered that, but, uh, you know, about these tracks and about the places. So essentially, you know, if you're racing in, in, in Britain and because the weather is dynamic and it's, you know, based on real-life data and visuals... Um, the rain is accurate. That you know that the, the heaviness of the rain is accurate. If you race in California, probably never rain, but uh, you know, 
skies are blue. In night races, you could see the stars and, you know, the space is so wide. Everything in the environment is just amazingly detailed. And uh, there's even, the uh, you know, uh, one thing that was really, really big was was the introduction of puddles. <laughs> Ooh, wow, okay. So, you know, I mentioned dynamic weather. So when it rains, uh, you know, they even calculated the undulations of the track to figure out where all the puddles will form. And as you play through the game, for example, you know, eight, eight ten laps of the race, and if rain happened in the middle of the race um, and it stopped, the when cars pass by on a, on a specific part of the track, that part of the track will dry, but the puddle on the left side of you or on beside you will still remain because nobody drives on that part. Um, so even the rain, even the puddles, even the, the way the water flows on the track is simulated, and you can feel that in the game, even through my PS4 controller, um, which, again, <laughs> blows me away. It's just... <laughs> You could do that in games right now. <laughs> wow. And again, again, just to reiterate, you're playing this on a PS4, right? Yeah, I'm playing this. Not on even PS4. on a PS5. Exactly. So can you can you imagine PS5? You know, they're, they're always talking about these, you know, the controller has like a dual, some type of, you know, vibration function to it. I can only imagine. Wow. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm initially a bit hesitant, but now I'm thinking that maybe it's a game worth getting. And, and it's not because I don't want to get the game. I, I think... Maybe I'm probably going to give it for it to be on sale first. But yep. here's the thing. I think sometimes there are games out there that, you know, that are, that's worth sampling, even though you're not a fan of that genre, right? Yeah. So back when games were, I guess, more accessible, quote-unquote, mm. <laughs> back then it's easier to make that decision. But I think for people out there, I guess, okay, so so if even if you're not a racing enthusiast or simulator enthusiast, is Gran Turismo 7 worth checking out as a game? Yeah. I definitely think so. I think if you are even remotely interested in, <laughs> I think if you own a car, this game might interest you. Uh, the, I mean, it has so many features. It has, it's so well polished, and it's a game that allows you to, you know, sit back and grind like we used to back in the day with these old games. Um, I know, I know, it's two hundred bucks for the PS4 version. If you want to buy the PS4 and PS5 version, as I did, it's three hundred bucks. You want to step further and go ahead for the 25th anniversary version of Gran Turismo Seven? That's four hundred bucks. But to me, I think the whole experience, the polish of the game, just the way it's made, the the pride that you feel when you play this game, the pride in the work from the developers, um, I think is absolutely worth it. I think if anything, if you are you know curious about Formula One, any types of motorsport, Lewis Hamilton, even him. <laughs> He is celebrated in the game, but I think if you know if you enjoy, uh, I think if you're remotely in, uh, curious about cars, um, this 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 is something that you should probably get. I'm not sure if PSN offers like you know like Steam where they you know if you're if you don't like it within two hours you can refund <laughs> it, but uh, I'd say go out and buy it because it's you know I I don't think there's a game out there that's as polished as well developed as. The vision is so clear as this. Mm, okay, not, not to pour cold water uh, on that, but um, newly released game. Um, no bugs. No bugs. <laughs> um, there has been some bugs, um, particularly with the uh, multiplayer modes. Um, you know, because they introduced a, a different thing where uh, you know now you can race cars of different classes. You can tune things, and some people have found different exploits. But um, I mean, just a few days ago, I saw a YouTuber uh, talking about it in his review as well. And um, just yesterday, I played the game, and um, it had been patched out. 
Mm-hmm. So, I mean, as far as I know, Gran Turismo, you know, they've been very, very good at maintaining their game and, you know, constantly updating it, constantly being aware of uh, how people are able to exploit it, constantly aware of the bugs. So, uh, you know, in that respect, it's going to be amazing. And just, you know, Gran Turismo 7 will have a really long life cycle. I'm very sure of that. It will last until maybe 2026. Wow. Because... I mean, that's the history of Gran Turismo in general. And throughout that time, they will release new tracks, car packs. They'll be either free or paid. You'll be able to do, uh, you know, there'll be a lot more content coming. I'm very sure of that. Okay. It's a game worth, I guess, investing your time on and, and worth purchasing just because it will be well-supported come, I mean, in three, four years' time, right? Yeah, I think it will be. Mm. Um, definitely. Definitely. Mm. Can I can I just interest you in something? Yes, go ahead. I don't know if you you are uh, aware of this thing called Sophie. Not familiar with that. So Sophie is very very interesting, and I lit- I really think it could change the world. You know, video games at least. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a very big thing. It's developed with a uh, Sony Mobility. Sony Mobility is a uh, Sony's new automotive division. And they developed it with Polyphony Digital, who developed uh, Gran Turismo. And essentially what this is, is an AI. Mm. And the AI is, is, you know, it uses machine learning to learn the track and uh, learn your driving habits as you race against it. So, you know, typically in racing games, especially, you know, back in the day, the cars will just basically follow each other in one line, right? And it's so easy to overtake them. You can just nudge them a bit and they'll be like, oh my God, no, I'm into the barriers and suddenly you're in first place. But you can't do that with Sophie. And Sophie, um, because it will learn, uh, you know, how you drive, what your your inklings are, how you race, and it will it might be able to use that against you. So if you're trying to overtake it, it will learn how to defend against you and it learns how to get around the track as fast as possible. And again, you know, uh, Gran Turismo says it takes one day for for Sophie to learn how to drive around the track. It takes two days to be, to be within the top 5% of players in Gran Turismo and takes 10 to 12 days to be among the best and beat the best uh, drivers in Gran Turismo. And they say... Given more time for it to learn, um, it will be very quick. And Gran Turismo even set up a competition between the top drivers of Gran Turismo uh, and against Sophie. And Sophie beat all the top drivers very, very convincingly. But then they said uh, the goal is not to prove that AI is, you know, better than humans. Because obviously it will be, you know, it's a game. But mm. uh, the goal is to simulate a racing opponent, as if you were driving against me. Now, here's where the interesting part comes in, right? Mm-hmm. This idea of machine learning can definitely be applied to the real world in terms of AI and self-driving cars, but imagine playing Elden Ring <laughs> and... <laughs> you're, you, I mean, the, the boss will essentially just learn what you have, what you're wearing, all the swords and, you know, all of the the equipment that you have, learn your past moves and all that stuff throughout the game and figure out how to beat you with it. And I think that opens up a whole new world of opportunities for, you know, open world gaming, especially for the likes of Grand Theft Auto, Red Dead, or even, you know, stuff like Star Wars. Because what if the environment responds to how you act, right? Mm -hmm. That's a pretty amazing thought, I think, with 
Sophie. Yeah, interesting. Um, is, is Sophie part of the AI in this game or like um, not yet? The Grand Turismo says it is still learning some of the tracks, a lot more of the tracks. So they say maybe one or two years time. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That, that's gonna be, I guess, more interesting. And you're right. I think it's, it's a very cool tag. I suppose. Yeah. That, that's that's very cool. Um. So yeah. Arif, any last last words on on the game? As especially coming from your perspective as not only a gamer but also a car enthusiast. Yeah. I think. Um. I don't know. I mean, a lot of people have asked me these past few days about what I feel about the game, and it's quite hard to put it into words because on the one hand, you know, lots of people don't really care about cars, mm. but they are interested in Gran Turismo. So how am I supposed to upgrade, <laughs> you know, convince them that it's worth it because my perspectives come from a you know, car community. Mm. Um, but if you're not interested in racing games, I think you know, this will be very entertaining to learn about driving, learn mm. about racing, learn about cars in general because that's what Gran Turismo does. It teaches you about the history of certain cars, certain tracks, um, teaches you about the nuances of driving, which can be very educational. And if, you know, it'll be very good. But from a car enthusiast perspective, I think a car enthusiast and gamer's perspective, I think this game has the skeletons to be, I think, you know, one of the best games of the decade mm. because they can build, they can continue to build on the AI. They can build on the graphics. The PS5, you know, sort of launched <laughs> uh, so we'll have a long life cycle so you know I think for 300 bucks worth it lah I might pull up in the Maserati Maserati maybe the Bugatti Bugatti mm, Ducati Ducati they're telling me I'm too flashy too flashy you're tuned into Gigi Walton and that was Arif Roos from BFM's Cruise Control sharing his early impressions of playing Gran Turismo 7 Polyphony Digital's racing simulation available exclusively on PlayStation 4 and 5. If you'd like to listen to this episode again, look for the podcast on BFM.my, our app available on the Apple App Store or Google Play and also Spotify. Do share your thoughts and the games that you play via our email, ggwp at bfm.my. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at BFM Radio. My name is Anif Baharudin. Thanks for joining us. Game on and please take care. This has been GG Well Played. You might see me with Sabi and Amazi as you got a big body. Too flashy, too flashy. Ride more backseats than a black cabbie. Might see me in a black Audi, just lie me. With my gang full rowdy. Beg you, give me space, please don't cry me. Tony Fana tits up real loudly. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.